Good morning, everyone. My name is Prophet Lou. Welcome to the Glory Room. Hope you all are having a blessed day. Let's get started with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for life, health, and strength. We thank you for loving us and taking care of us. We thank you for never leaving our side. We thank you for being our shepherd and our guide. Father God, as we partake in your word, whether we're reading it or hearing it, we ask you to help us apply it to your word. We apply it to our life. We ask you to help us not be just hearers, but doers as well. Father God, we ask as um, we go out today that you cover us in your blood, Father God, that you help us to be able to spread the gospel about you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Okay, key verse today is 1 Corinthians 5, 12 through 13. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sitting. God would judge those on the outside as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. Subject, restoring our own affirmations. I'm going to say it and pause behind each one to give you opportunity to say it if you like. I am a vessel. I am confident. God has a plan for me. I am faithful. Too many times we as a church or followers of God are too busy judging people outside of the church. We're too busy casting our stones at them, mending the things in the church and not mending the things in the church are amongst believers. We have so much going on in the church that we aren't look, taking care of that. It's a way to do things in decent and in order. And Paul isn't telling us to call someone out in front of the congregation or amongst friends. No, he's saying to bring them back in the fold the right way. We always want to seek God about everything before we do it. We want to seek godly wisdom before shaking our finger at anyone. The Corinthians had a problem judging others and not taking care of the damage that was happening into the church. They often turned a blind eye to what was being done. And, and, and as we as Christians, when we see someone error, we must correct it two, for two reasons. One, we are permitted to do to do the, do it Two, maybe this person doesn't know they are in the wrong so we must ask the holy spirit how to talk to them to lead them back in the right direction now doing this we must be careful it would be a shame to go to someone to correct someone and they have a splinter and we have a plank Matthew 7, 3-4 says, Why do you look at your speck of dust in your brother's eye and say no, pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? The one thing I noticed about Jesus he didn't like was a hypocrite. Was a hypocrite. A person who claimed or pretend to have a certain belief about what is right but who behaves in a way that's that disagrees with those beliefs. That's Webster Dictionary description of it. In simple words, it means someone that's doing the complete opposite of what they have confessed. Jesus has found many times calling people hypocrites. Matthew 15 and 7, you hypocrites. Well, did, well, did Isaiah prophecy of you when he said, Matthew 6 and 5, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they have they love to stand and pray in the synagogues at the street corners. In the synagogues at the, sorry, in synagogues at the street corner, they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received the reward. Matthew 6 and 2, thus, when, we, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, that they may be 
praised by others, truly, I say to you, you have received the reward. See, how, see, Jesus did like, Jesus didn't like a hypocrite. So before you come to anyone in the church, we must make sure our life is in order. The Bible says to us in Galatians 6 and 1, brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in a sin, you, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently by watching yourself, or you also may be tempted. It tells us here, if anyone is caught in a sin, restore that person gently in a difficult, is in a, in a, not in a difficult way, not in a disappointing way but in a way that's loving and passionate. It also tells us to be careful ourselves. We could be tempted and temptation doesn't discriminate. Temptation can cause anyone to fall. We can be one, We can be up one day and down the next. We can't look at where we're at now and be prideful thinking we can't fall because we can, but we must restore this person from sin. Don't allow someone to stay in their sin. Don't allow the enemy to have them. Go to them in private. And show them in a word where they are wrong and pray over them. Prayer can break any spiritual bondage. Prayer can restore quicker than we can. Today, if you feel that if someone in your church that you know or that you know that is com committing a sin, go to them. Talk to them. Pray before you do and gently talk to them about what they are doing. Make sure you are led by God. Because we never want to interfere in God's plan. Take two or three with you so that you may have a witness and restore what is lost. But we also, in the process, must ask God to remove anything in us so we won't fall into what they did or do. Remember that we don't want to be a, we don't want to be hypocritical to others. We always want to come off as compassionate and loving brothers and sisters. Prayer. Heavenly Father, help us cover, come over overcome if any fear before we come to anyone father help us to be people of you and not people of mischief and problems help us to restore which is lost give us the right words let us lean on you for everything lord as we restore one of your sheep help us to pray victory and peace over their lives lord we ask you to forgive us if we are being judgmental in any way remove pride away from us if we have it in us father help us to have have a loving and compassionate attitude as we deal with others. Lord, we thank you for showing us how. We thank you for giving us strength during this time. Father, give us wisdom to handle every situation that comes our way. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So the topic is restoring our own. Let me get a drink of water real quick. So restoring our own. It's easy to point out sins of others. It is so easy to do. Um, I've never been a person that will point out someone's sin. I've never been a person to shake my finger at someone and say, oh, you're sinning, shame on you. I've never been that type of person because I don't want anyone to judge me, so I wouldn't want no one to judge. I, won't, I wouldn't want anyone to judge me. I don't want to judge others. And But the but Paul have clearly stated in our key verse today, which is 1 Corinthians 5 and 12, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is our responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God would judge those on the outside, but as the scripture says, you must remove the evil person from among you. So, yeah, he, he's telling us it's okay to, to judge people inside the church. 
But he's not sitting there saying, oh, you're the one to have to cast them into hell. No, you're not going to be that person. And he's not saying to go around judging everyone you see. He's not saying that either. He's saying in the church, when you see someone doing something that is not of the Lord, you can go to them and tell them, hey, I think you're going about this wrong. Or, hey, I think we need to talk because I see some errors in what you're doing. But with that same hand, we need to make sure that our lives are clean. Because a lot of times it's easy to point at someone and say what they're doing is wrong. It's easy to be that person that shakes our fingers. It's easy to say that our life looks like pure gold. When really our life is just as chaotic as the person that we're pointing their flaws out at. He clearly tells us to, to, to judge the one that's inside the church setting. It's a lot that goes on in the church. It's a lot that goes on amongst the Christian community. It is. But we must be careful when we when we get ready to point someone's sins out. We must look at our lives before we do. Is my life in order? Is my life a representation of God? Am I being a beacon and light of light or am I causing chaos? We never want to be a person that causes chaos, but at the same hand wants to point out someone else's flaws. This is a very touchy subject. When the Holy Spirit asked me to teach on it, I was really nervous because I didn't want to say anything to offend anyone. But he always is the one that does the teaching, not me. But I'm always nervous about pointing out someone else's flaws. Because we as Christians, that's why some people don't come to the church. I have talked to many people and, and even myself when I was uh, a sinner, I didn't want to come to church because people are quick to judge you. People are quick to put you in the back pew. People are quick to come to you and say, oh, okay, so you're that type of person. Or, oh, okay, I heard about your sin. Or, oh, okay, I know you're the person that does this. Why we as Christians like to tear people down? Why aren't we doing what Christ did and bring them in? Christ ate with the sinful, the tax collectors, the adulterers, the sinful of the sinful. He never said a word. He let his life and the way he held things, his authority speak for himself. But we can't let that happen, right? Among sinners, we have to be the one to shake our finger. We have to be the one to call people out for these sins. God gives us different gifts and different abilities not to call people out, not to bother people, not to harass people, but to mend people. That's why so many broken people, because a lot of people don't want to mend, they want to break. But what gratification do you get with breaking someone's spirit? What, confidence, what, what gratification do you get from calling someone out of a sin that they've been doing that you know about? Maybe the Holy Spirit gave you this notion about what they're doing, so maybe you can talk to them about it. Maybe God gave you this, maybe the Holy Spirit gave you this notion about what's going on in their life, so you can lead them back, not for you to shame them. And then we have to be careful how we talk to people. We don't want to come off in a haughty way that we know everything. And some people probably say, oh, that's the Holy Spirit speaking. No. The Holy Spirit won't bring condemnation to people when he's trying to correct someone. He's not going to make someone feel so small while they're, being, while they're so big. He's not going to do that. 
We have to be careful when we say the Holy Spirit said this and the Holy Spirit says that. When all along it's not the Holy Spirit, it's just you. That's the number one thing people need to be careful of. And I've noticed that a lot of people will say, the Holy Spirit told me this, that, and the third. Knowing it's just them and their unctions and their notions and the way they see people and the way they know people, how people act, they, they can tell certain things. But the verse today says to do it gently. We're going to look at that verse real quick. It's actually, I've actually made it one of our key verses. Go to Galatians 6 and 1 if you have your Bible. Galatians 6 and 1. Galatians 6 and 1. I'm still in the NLT version. Okay, it says, um, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into their right place and the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. See, it tells us here, if you see another believer or a sister and brother overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person. Gently. Not harassing. Like I said, not shaking a thumb. Not getting ready to expose them to the world. No, that's not your place. We as image bearers or, or people with titles or even people in general, we should be held to, if someone tell you this is a sin I'm dealing with, it's not your responsibility to go to the world and tell them about it. It's not your responsibility to have a tea club or red top meeting and say what's, what's happening in someone's life. I have people come to me all the time about different things that they're dealing with, but I keep it to myself. I don't go to my sister and have a meeting with it. I don't go to my mom at night and tell her what's happening because it's none of no one's business because when someone trusts you, when a brother and sister trusts you, you never want to have them have that trust damage. If we're supposed to be like Christ, someone's supposed to be able to trust you with anything. Someone's supposed to be able to trust you with this is the sin that I keep falling into. Help me, please. But a lot of Christians deal with a lot. Depression, anxiety, uh, tendency, homosexual tendencies, uh, um, drunkenness, smoking, and they deal with it in secret because they're scared to tell other Christians because we as Christians like to act like we are so holy that we never committed a sin. When someone come to you and say, this is my flaw, this is my struggle, this is the cross I carry, I can't seem to get past it, help me. We're supposed to be people to say, okay, I never experienced that, but let me get someone that can, that can go to someone that someone else that can help that's not gonna run their mouth. Because why are you gonna hurt someone even more that's embarrassed and go tell someone else and that person go tell someone else? That doesn't help. That's why a lot of us are struggling with sin. 
because a lot of pastors and prophets and teachers won't be honest and say, yeah, I deal with this. Yes, God deals with me daily. This is what temptation I fall into. And this is what he's helping with. But we want such an image. We want to keep our image up. We want to make sure we look a certain way. We're no better than the Sadducees and the Pharisees that went around acting and, pop and beating their chests out loud for people to see. We want people to see, oh, I have so much glory on me. But it doesn't matter how much glory you have on you. It matters how you walk. Are you walking what you talking? And you have someone here that says, I'm trying to walk what I talk, but I'm struggling. But we as Christians point the finger. Stop. It's Christians in the church right now that won't go to therapy, won't take prescription drugs, that won't go to marriage counseling because they're scared what would the church think. Oh, goodness. What would the church think if they if they see me in therapy? Oh, what would they see if they see me take a Lexapro because I'm, I'm depressed? Oh, I, I'm not one of the elite because I have to take a Lexapro. Oh, I'm not one of the elite because I got to go to therapy. It's nothing wrong with therapy. It's nothing wrong with taking prescription drugs. But let me tell you what's the problem is when you go to these places and you lean on these people and you lean on these drugs and you find find yourself more captivated at how many pills you got to take versus how many times a day that you pray. We got to start leaning on Christ. That's who we need to lean on. We can tell uh, Bob, our therapist. Uh, we can tell Mary, our therapist, what's going on, and that's fine and dandy. We can take our prescription drugs daily. That's fine and dandy. But do you go in the prayer closet and ask God, hey, God, what's the long haul? I'm on the short haul right now, and right now I'm taking prescription drugs. Right now I'm seeing my therapist. But I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I want to trust you with what I have. I want to trust you with my burdens. I want to trust you with my flaws. Because right now, Father God, I feel like I'm failing. But, Father God, I know you're there to mend me. I know you're there there to comfort me because he's a comforter and God. That's who we're supposed to depend on, not our therapist, not the prescription drugs. That's when it becomes wrong. That's when it becomes a sin. That's when we're supposed to hide it because we're depending more on our daily and, and weekly visits to the therapist. That's when it's wrong. But we got to learn as Christians how to mend someone's heart. Let's look at one of our key references. That was one we looked at. Let's look at another. James 5, 19 through 20. Go to James 5, 19 through 20. I think this is the saddest thing that this is even a topic that Paul brought up then. And this is the problem that we have now because people don't know how to be compassionate. Because that's what is lacking when we go and we run and we tell and we shake our fingers. Lacking compassion. It's lacking compassion. James 5, 19 through 20. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. It says in here that when we do this, we save a person's life from death, not from physical death, but from spiritual death. 
Because what happens is once people wander off from the church and they don't come back, most of the time they fall into sin. I went to his church one time and I'm not going to get into the details of the be too long. And I left. I left because I felt like I was treated wrongly. And um, I had the pastor to come. I had the secretary to come. Well, first, I had one of the members of the church come. I had the secretary to come. And then I had the pastor come. And then I think I had his wife to come. And they apologized to me what had happened. They said it was wrong. And they apologized. But me being young and young in, in, in the spirit, I accepted the apology, but I didn't go back. And I was wrong. I was wrong for not going back because they apologized. But I was so hurt and so humiliated that I didn't want no one in that church to see my face. Because I didn't want no one shaking their finger and judging me. And I'm going to be honest with you, that stopped me a while from going to church. Because church hurt is different. Now, some people might say, well, it's just sinners in a church that used to be, it's just people in a church that used to be sinners and we all work into one thing. But if you have everyone in the church pointing and shaking their finger at you, how do you expect someone to come back, especially a babe in Christ, especially someone that's sinning? How do you expect them to go back? Yeah, church hurt hurts. And it hurts differently because you're going to a place where you think that is safe. And they do you just like the world. But what we have to understand is that church hurt is nothing different than having a relationship. You get your heart broken with a relationship and you go back. I think I said this the other week. McDonald's fix your food wrong. You still go back, right? So why not go back to the church? Because it feels different. Yeah, it does. But if that's not the church for you, take a few days. Take a week. Ask Holy Spirit, where should I go? He will find you a church home to go to. If he tells you to stay at home and, 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 and read your Bible and study under him, that's fine. But ask the Holy Spirit, where should I go to church? And he will guide you. Don't let your hurt from one church stop you from going to another church. Because every pastor is not the same. And that pastor at that church was amazing. I love that pastor at church. I wanted to be his right-hand man if I could. His right-hand woman if I could. Like I wanted to be like the person right there, the assistant pastor. I wanted to do that because he was such a great teacher or preacher. He was so amazing. I had never been to a church like that. And I felt so at home until that happened. And I should have done better. But the Bible here says, he says that you will save that person from death and bring in about the forgiveness of many sins. You bring that person back from going to hell, dying physically, dying spiritually, I'm sorry, dying physically. You will save them from dying physically. And you will bring them spiritually, sorry. You will save that person from dying spiritually. And you will have them to come back where they're seeking God and they're asking God to give me. I don't want to run by, I don't want to do this, but I, I want to be better. That's the thing that we have to look at. We as Christians are supposed to be directing, not shaking our finger. We're supposed to be the ones to say, okay, I know you've fallen, but let's get up. Now, I have people that come to me and they say, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? If they ask me, I tell them, I show them in the word. 
But if someone never asked me, I don't open my mouth. But when I read this devotional, it lets me know that someone in the community, if they're falling, and I'm led, that's the first thing that need to happen. You're led by the Holy Spirit. You need to go to them. But you need to make sure that you're not carrying a plank in your eye. Because sometimes what other people are dealing with is minor compared to what you're dealing with. And no sin is bigger than the next. But Paul is saying that if this person is dibbling and dabbling in something here and there, and they have a speck in the eye, and every day you participate in this particular sin, do not go to that person that has a speck. Deal with the plank that's in your eye. I hope you all enjoyed this devotional. I did, and um, it helped me to lead more in confidence, teach more in confidence, and talk to people more in confidence. Because I have people that come to me randomly about different things. Even in the new chat, people on the website, people are coming to me, asking me questions. And I'm going to the Bible. I ask, ask the Holy Spirit. I pray on it. I tell him, give me a few minutes. I pray on it. I ask the Holy Spirit. Teach me. Show me what you may tell this person. He shows me the way. That's, just, that's what it's about. That's why the Holy Spirit's here is to guide us. Not for us to just go on to our own rabbit holes. No. We need to do things decent in order. Go to the Holy Spirit. Ask. Ask the Holy Spirit to give us the right words and speak to that person. And ask, when, when you're asking the Holy Spirit, also ask them about scriptures. What scriptures should you use? Because some people don't know what they're doing. It's a sin. Hope you all have a blessed day. Remember, Jesus loves you. And I love you too. Goodbye.